Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Rom-com aficionado, worshiper of Nikhil Harry and Damian Harris, truther, the old married guy, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith-Schuster, proponent for a line of Jon Snow hair products. You heard it here first. Resident old man, Clark Barnes. It's Proud father of Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine and wine connoisseur, the working girl, Jordan Smith. And finally, the biggest 49ers fan you know, Artie Stark is a spirit animal, the only man who hates Larry Fitzgerald and a fan of, sci- of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts. The Ginger Woodsman, Nick Botiford. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Doing great, Pete. Yeah, real good. Well, um, so I had a whole opening plan about how Bears fans have been filling my mentions because I just on a whim tweeted out uh, basically my standings for what I thought the final, how the end of the year would look. And I had the Bears at eight and eight and all Bears fans freaked out. But instead of talking about that, I want to talk about Nick's uh, chin because I can see it. And I, and, I, and I don't know what to do with that knowledge of what his chin looks like. D hair. like get down here i can't get the the lighting right so i'll, I'll strike this casual pose oh that is that looks good <laughs> uh, from rugged woodsman to uh like boy band leader i, like I know it. yeah hey. my mom saw me and was like you look like you're 10 a 10 your mom called you a 10 yeah that's no, really like, nice of her. that's really nice I, of your mom yeah a 10 awesome yeah great ten years old. Old. oh 10 <laughs> thank you though i thought you're listening this is a audio medium and we're talking about <laughs> nick having a fully clean shaven face <laughs> you mean that that is what's going on not, right not joining us right now listen seeing what we're seeing man we really need to technology not um yeah well it looks good nick it looks good it, it was it just a weather thing yeah yeah i i uh i grew the beard basically to impress the uh the girlfriend right when we started dating um she after a few cocktails with her friend texted me and was like you should grow a beard um because she likes beards and so i grew a beard you worried that she's not gonna like this new change i was a little worried we had to sit there no um (laughs) (laughs) i had to have a real conversation about it and i said look this is what's best for me I need to get rid of this. No, they're just Clark. I salute you, man. Beards are hard to take care of. You have to trim them. You have to talk to them. You have to put oil in them. It takes a long time. That's, I mean, you got to trim it, but that's it. Anyway, so we will, we will, (laughs) we will stick with talking about Nick and we are going to pivot to football. Uh, Nick and I had a nice discussion on Twitter today where we had a wager regarding Derek Henry, who Nick loves and who I think is who he has shown us to be for the past three years. And I really love this bet because anytime you can make a bet 
where you're going to win no matter what, I think those are the best ones. And here's the bet. I bet Nick that he will not start his love, Derrick Henry, more than eight times this season on any of his fantasy teams. Mm. And the great thing about this bet is either Nick will be right and I will be wrong about a player, and I'm wrong about lots of players all the time. We guess the people that are best at this are right 60% of the time. Or... When Derrick Henry has 97 yards and one catch for six yards through week two, Nick's going to have to decide, am I going to do what's right for my fantasy team and give Clark the smug sense of satisfaction that I know he's just waiting for? Or am I just going to be stubborn and start Derrick Henry and tank my season? I feel like I've already won. Clark is a happy man right now. And and you've got the best beard on the podcast now, Clark. It's a win-win on every level. Best beard now. Come on, guys. That's that's not be saying. <laughs> I'm just ready for Jordan to to w- start fighting in the category. <laughs> Show up, uh, I'm, Gimli. I'm a little uh, distracted. I'm going through your mentions because I I love when Bears fans get triggered and they think that uh, Mitch Trubisky is the next coming of Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah, I got. I got a few. Thanks. It's all thanks to Jeff Burkus, who who's been on the podcast before, uh, over at Windy City Gridiron. I think that's what they are, the SB Nation's bear site. He quote tweeted it and was like, "This is the craziest NFC North I've ever seen." Uh, having the Bears at eight and eight, but um, so yeah. So now I've got plenty of Bears fans in my mentions. So, uh, well, we're doing the NFC fantasy preview as the actual plot of this podcast. What we're actually doing today. Um, and just like how we did the AFC, we had a three-minute time limit on each on uh, on each team, which we will start pretty soon. And um, well, to all those Bears fans who are in my mentions, here's what our turning the page sound will be. The Bears will go eight and eight this season. So there you go, Bears. <laughs> you can't argue with that. So robots, no robots. Robots can't lie, especially Australian robots. Australian female robots are known to be the most honest of all robots. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. These are facts. Right, Nick? Can you back me up on these facts that I'm, I'm laying out right now? That's a, a generous uh, labeling of the Australian robot. Is that what that was? Yeah. Here. Do you not hear her Aussie accent? I'm, the Bears will no. go eight and eight this season. The Bears By will the way, go eight and eight this season. Speaking of Australian robots, you can program your uh, direction giving device to an Australian accent, and I highly recommend it. I want... Uh, <laughs> Just as we're talking about how we're going to get on and start talking about football, I want to be able to program it to any voice. I want like The Rock to give me directions or or Stephen A. Smith to be like, you missed your turn! Anyway. Robin Williams had a bit about this. So what we should do is talk about football and then everyone should go listen to his. To his bit? Stand up. Sounds good. All right, so let's get right into it. We're going to go through all of the teams in the A and in the NFC. If you haven't heard our AFC fantasy preview, make sure you go do that. Um, and we are now doing the NFC. We're going to each team, and we're going to give a sleeper slash uh, slash buy and a sell. Um, we're going to start in the NFC South, um, and we'll start with you, Nicholas, um, whom I believe you have the New Orleans Saints. So who are you buying and or selling on the Saints? Uh, so this is not a, a uh, new name. We've talked about him a lot. Latavius Murray, he's going off the board as the running back 24. Uh, but I did a little more digging because I wanted to have some uh, concrete facts to throw at you guys and uh, have you tune out while you're listening. Um, so in between 2015 and 2017, his carries in the red zone finished ninth, seventh, and fourth uh, inside the 10, sixth, 
seventh and fourth and inside the five, 13th, sixth and fifth. So that's multiple coach, coaching staffs continuously feeding this guy the rock, even though he's not the primary uh, running back. He has a talent. Sean Payton is, has an excellent eye for talent. Latavius Murray is going to get over 10 touches a game and he's going to get them in great field position. Uh, this guy is, is a standalone flex play, if not an RB two and has RB one upside should something happen to Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I like it. There are, there's a lot of guys going in around the sixth, seventh, eighth round that are going to give you nice spot start value and flex value and give you that nice little caveat of if something horrible happens to the person in front of them, well then you have a potential league winner. And I think Murray's definitely one of those guys. Yeah. I love him. I, I think that the the where he's going in fantasy is you got to buy him because we've seen, like you said, Nick, you just listed those stats. We've seen every single place that he has played in, multiple teams, multiple coaching staffs. He's always had fantasy relevance. This is really weird because I can see myself in Clark's. Yeah, pork chop. <laughs> it looks like pork chop's really intensely <laughs> watching. <laughs> pork chop <laughs> is watching the live stream of this right now and is digging it so hard. <laughs> um that's why we make all the visual references, listeners. It's for Porkchops. <laughs> or editor. Porkchops is tuning in. Um, yeah, no, I love the Latavius Murray pick. I think he's a running back that people always are expecting him to be like, oh, this will be the season that he doesn't really have fantasy value, so I won't draft him. But he's shown time and again to have it. Multiple teams, multiple coaching staffs. Go ahead and buy him. So, oh, Jordan, you got anything to add? Well, I was just gonna say I I like Latavius Murray across all formats because he's the he's the right kind of handcuff that you want. Um, I'll touch on this later when we get to a different NFC team in a different division about a player where the handcuff situation is a little bit more murky. But Latavius Murray doesn't have that issue. Like he'll be running second team if Alvin Kamara goes down. Um, so my, my sell for the Saints is Drew Brees. He's currently being drafted as the quarterback eight. Uh, and this from my quarterback rankings piece that came out a couple of weeks ago. Between 2010 and 2016, Brees was averaging over 40 pass attempts per game. In 2017, he went down to 33 pass attempts per game. And in 2018, he dropped to 32. Um, this isn't by accident. He, the guy has had a phenomenal career while playing with a torn rotator cuff and his throwing shoulder. Which is this season. There you go. Don't draft your breeze. That's a fair assessment. I approve of that. <clears throat> I approve of that message. Jordan, the uh, Atlanta Falcons, who are you buying? Who are you selling? Um, so for buying, I am still really high on Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I think there's a little bit too much doubt around uh, the second-year player. Uh, just because of how quickly he burst onto the scene last year, he had like four or five touchdowns within the first four weeks. Um, and I think that's a lot because defenses just kind of took him for granted. But I also think it was very beneficial for him to just be a really crisp and um, well-studied route runner. Um, he still has 4-4 speed, so he can take the top off the defense if need be. I think that's might be part of the reason they decided to let Taylor Gabriel go because they still have uh, Calvin Ridley who can uh, move down the field. Um, so last year he scored six of his 10 touchdowns in the red zone. Um, and a regression could be likely with that, but I just think as a second year player, having those reps in the NFL, he's going to be able to find a way to do more things than just get those easy red zone touchdowns. It's almost like um, he'll graduate from being 
safety blanket red zone receiver to a more reliable, well-rounded receiver. That's how, you know, that's how progress is made in the NFL, especially for a rookie that won the first round. Um, when he gets his opportunities, he does know how to capitalize them. So in three games where he had eight or more targets, he scored a touchdown or more in each, averaged 103 yards a game, and had a 71.9% catch rate in those three games. Um, so the yards per game is a little bit inflated because of one game in which he just kind of shit all over the New Orleans Saints for like 146 yards, but still very solid numbers for someone that uh, knows how to take advantage of his opportunities. Yeah, I like it. I think each year we see a team with a couple of guys in the top 15, uh, maybe even top 10, like what we saw with Pittsburgh last year with Antonio Brown and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think, like you mentioned, Calvin Ridley is insanely, uh, he's insanely talented. He had a couple of nice flashes last year. And I think, like you said, second year, if he becomes more comfortable and a little bit more consistent, he could really threaten that top 15 along with Julio getting all of the attention. Yeah, and I, I think he's going in the right spot. Uh, he's going in the middle of the fifth round, wide receiver 23. That might be a little rich in my book, but not so much so that if he comes around to me in that spot, I'm not going to take him. So, yeah, I, I buy that. He's kind of tough for me. I think he's a really good route runner, and I, I just wish his situation was a little bit better. He In the preseason, he's been running more as the uh, third receiver. Like when they drop into two receiver sets, Sanu has been taking a bunch of reps instead of him. Um, that doesn't mean that he won't outproduce Sanu just by, you know, popping off in the slot. But um, I do like him a lot as a player, and he's someone who I would take a flyer on in the fifth. The Bears will go 8-8 and eight this season. Perfect timing. We're sticking, we're sticking hardcore to the time this, this round since, last, since the AFC uh, fantasy preview took uh, an hour and a half to get through. Clark, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians is back. Who are you buying? Who are you selling? Okay, I'm gonna try to do the buy and sell all at once. These are these are pretty simple. Uh, everybody's really excited about uh, Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay, and they should be. I think that he's very good, but I think that we're to steal a phrase from Chris Harris, living in the echo chamber of getting excited about Chris Godwin and then talking about how excited we are about Chris Godwin, and then getting really excited about how everyone's talking about Chris Godwin. And I think the obvious play here is Mike Evans, who's been in the league for several years, uh, been in the league for a few years with Jameis Winston, is an absolute monster and it seems as though we've he's going in the second round but he's going behind a lot of really questionable running backs like uh I've written a couple of down here and I can't find them you should just definitely be taking Mike Evans you know near the end of the first round back end turn around the uh beginning of the second he's an absolute monster and a sell I've tried to I've been trying to figure out whether to draft Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones, because I think like, boy, if I can just nail that backfield, I'll have a starter. And then I thought about it more and thought, why would I do this? They're pro- neither one of them is very good. It looks like they're going to be splitting time. And the backfield was atrocious last year and not too much has changed within their run game, at least. So someone may accidentally fall into the end zone eight or nine times, but good luck trying to guess who it is. This looks like a split. And so I'm just selling both of the backs in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think that's smart, especially I agree with you that it's something where it's like, God, if I could get the right person, you know, I hit the jackpot potentially, but it's like, do you want to go through that process? And do you want to burn a pick on someone who you're not certain about in those rounds? Or do you want to find someone who you are 100% on? I saw the dumbest tweet I saw today, despite all of the Bears mentions I was getting. Dumbest tweet I saw today was someone tweeting out Mike Evans, uh, 
the reverse carrot Chris Godwin, basically implying Chris Godwin is better than Mike Evans. And I think it was, I can't tell if it was actual football or a fantasy football prospect. And I was just like, this is a garbage take. Please, please delete your tweet. Uh, I really like Mike Evans. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that we were really high on Chris Godwin last year. And I, I think it, it may have hit its, its nadir already. Like it's, yeah, it's over with. Find a new uh, fantasy draft crush that you don't think everybody else knows about. Be so, unique. Um, uh, draft Mike Evans. He's a badass. Uh, I think Chris Godwin will beat out Calvin Ridley on a, uh, a statistical. Uh, he, he's going to have more fantasy points than than Calvin Ridley. Uh, what I want to say about Peyton Barber is that he's been taking almost double the snaps with the first team that Ronald Jones has, and that does tell us something. He's going off the board at uh, ADP of 107, and he's the RB 41 for the guy who could fall into the end zone eight or nine times, as you said, Clark, in the um, in the Tampa Bay offense. I'm more than happy to take a flyer on him that late in the draft. Yeah, the the, the snap count is or the touches is a good indicator too. Because you, especially if you could just get him – and he puts forward a decent production for the first, you know, five or six weeks. Eventually, they're going to have to go to Ronald Jones. But the hope is, is that maybe you can get a little bit out of uh, Peyton Barber while he's while he's still doing something for the this season. Something for the Buccaneers' offense. Um, all right, I'm closing out the NFC South, and I am going to set the timer for me right now. Bink. <clears throat> uh, Carolina Panthers. I picked the Carolina Panthers just so that I could politely tell everyone to. Don't overthink it. Buy Christian McCaffrey. He's my number one running back this year. In the last two seasons, he's averaged 158 carries, 93 receptions, and 10 total touchdowns for each of those seasons. He's seen his workload do, take a drastic uptick from season one to season two. Who knows what he's going to do in season three? I am buying him everywhere, so don't overthink it. If you have the chance to get him, get him. My sell is I'm selling DJ Moore, and this is a very sexy narrative on fake teams uh, to hate DJ Moore, and I just kind of want to slide my way into it. And it's not hate. It's not hate so much as it is Moore's going at the top of the sixth round, and I can get uh, Curtis Samuel at the basically back end of the seventh, beginning of the eighth. I don't think that there's really a difference between the two guys in in the Panthers offense. I think if anything, Samuels is going to be the number one guy, just what we've heard out of camp, what we've seen so far. Um, And so if I can get basically the same production as DJ Moore two rounds later, or even a better production, I'm 100% taking that. So it's not that I don't trust DJ Moore. um, It's the fact that that there are better options that I'd rather have in that Panthers offense. I like DJ Moore in the sixth round. That sounds very, very intriguing to me. I would take him in the top of the fifth. Really? What do you think? Mm. Why do you think (laughs) DJ... Why do you think DJ Moore, do you think that he's just going to be the clear cut number one guy and he's going to put much more production than Curtis Samuel? I just, for me, I feel like all the talk for Curtis Samuel is that he's finally becoming more than an athlete, um, which to me, I mean, that can mean a lot for a young player. But in my opinion, I, I always thought DJ Moore, and it was kind of cliche during the draft time because both of these guys are out of Maryland, but he always had a pretty striking resemblance to Stefan Diggs. Um, so I think if given the opportunity, he'll be able to, um, produce quite well. And I don't, I don't think one is going to eat into the other one's productivity at all. Cause it's like those two Christian McCaffrey, old Greg and mm-hmm. like, it's, it's not a very crowded receiving room. So no, that's fair. I love the McCaffrey love. 
he, he uh, with Zeke holding out, he is uh, creeping up my board the tiniest of bits. <laughs> Just as long as he's not your number one running back, Clark, because we all know he is number two from. behind Alvin Kamara. Thank you very Thank much. God. So buy Latavius Murray because Alvin Kamara is about to miss a lot of time. <laughs> um, we just established he has standalone value. Yeah. Um, McCaffrey's my uh, my RB one, and I do prefer Curtis Samuel over DJ Moore just because he and and Cam are having a uh, a more in sync camp. Although uh, I, I'm I'm into both receivers, I'd be happy to have both. Tonight this season. <clears throat> All right. We're moving on to the NFC West now, and I will start us off again, doing a little back-to-back. 49ers, San Francisco 49ers. Hopefully we see a perfect Kyle Shanahan offense with Jimmy Garoppolo fully healthy, under center, that whole nine yards. My buy for this team is kind of a sleeper. It's Marquise Goodwin, who's going wide receiver 62, going at the beginning of the 14th round. I'm not sold. Everyone seems like pretty locked in on Dante Pettis being the number one guy uh, behind George Kittle, obviously, in in San Francisco, or enough so that they're willing to draft him. I mean, I think he's going in like the sixth round. He's going around with DJ Moore, I believe. Um, I'm not sold on that. I wouldn't be surprised if Goodwin is a top 40 receiver this year. I, I could see him thriving. I mean, we've seen him thrive in Shanahan's offense. We've seen him put up big numbers. Um, and I think with a quarterback who can actually hit him down the field, we're going to see more of that. And you're just getting him at such a discount. Why not? My sell is, I mean, I didn't want to be vague enough to be like the entire 49ers backfield because who knows who's going to be touching the ball. But I think it's going to be specifically Jarek McKinnon. It's sad because he tore his ACL at the beginning of last season. And maybe if he had had the whole season healthy, we would have, he would have come into this year with like, we would have had a lot of trust and faith in him. Tevin Coleman, we know what he can do in Shanahan's system. And so I think that he is going to be the lead back there, or at least have a very distinct role. Clark's shaking his head because he knows, he knows he loves that Tevin Coleman love. Um, Matt Breida, when healthy, is their best running back, but I'd even kind of sell him too because when healthy is a pretty big if with him, he's just kind of found a way to hurt himself at every level. Um, So yeah, that's how I'm feeling about the 49ers fantasy wise. I have to object to the Tevin Coleman pick. Uh, We have seen what Tevin can Coleman, what Tevin Coleman looks like in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And yeah, it's not good. He's one of the few running backs that's managed to look not good in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, Matt Breida has looked very good in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, got the Wolverine award for most doubtfuls to then participate on Sunday, most times left the game and then coming back into the game. So, you know, you love that as a fantasy. <laughs> He's a little guy. He's 190 pounds, but Matt Breida is absolutely the best back in San Francisco. If you want to bet on talent, do that. If you want to be boring, go with Pete's pick. So as the uh, resident Niners fan, I'll say that I, the, the good one pick for buying uh, doesn't make sense to me. Um, Kittle is going to be hugely involved in the passing game. The running backs are going to be hugely involved in the passing game. Uh, Jalen Hurd, Debo Samuel are both looking great. Dante Pettis, uh, all of the reports indicate that Shanahan loves him. He just is trying to push him to actually wrench the number one job away. And Marquise Goodwin is really focused on competing in the 2020 Olympics. Uh, I think that they're, from what I understand, they're trying to dial his workload back. So he's not someone that I would be investing in. I, I would be taking flyers on. Most of the other guys, Jarek McKinnon is definitely a sell. Um, I love Brita. This season. You love Brita, though? I do, just given his, like, I think his ADP. I love him, like, too. I love him, too. It's just he's got a big question mark about whether or not he can stay healthy. He's proven to be great when he's healthy and on the field. 
I got really worried that you said sell Tevin Coleman and I missed it and just like went off on your pick. I was like, wait, that was his second guy. Crap. Okay. I'm glad that. Yeah. Good talk, everybody. Um, all right, Jordan, talk to us about the Los Angeles Rams. Um, so this is the one that's going to be a sell for me. And it's, um, it has to do what I alluded to a little bit earlier about the situation not being quite as clear as, you know, number one running back and the handcuff. Um, so my cell is actually Daryl Henderson. Um, there's, there's been a, a lot of talk about him and I, I wouldn't say it's an all out yard sale on your Daryl Henderson stock, but I, I feel like it's trending down a little bit. Um, so the way it's been popping up the past few weeks is that Henderson has been viewed as more of a complimentary role, um, sort of like a quote, Chris Thompson, um, the type of third down back rather than that person that's going to, you know, fill um, Todd Gurley's shoes. If, you know, something were to happen to Todd Gurley's knees or anything like that, just the general wear and tear that's been happening him for the past couple of seasons. Um, so rather than Todd Gurley in that position, I feel like Malcolm Brown has a better um, chance of stepping into that role. Um, right now, Malcolm Brown is listed as the RB2 on the Rams step chart, whereas um, Daryl Henderson is uh, the RB5. So he's pretty deep in the depth chart. That could change, though. It could be just because he's a rookie and that's just where they're going to place him. Um, but the Rams did match Brown's offer sheet in March to retain him away from the Lions. Um, he averaged 4.9 yards per carry in 12 games last year. So he was relatively respectable in that regard. Um, and if Daryl Henderson's a Chris Thompson role, I just think he's like very boom or bust. So given his uh, current ADP, I feel like he's a, he's one that it's hard to gauge whether or not you're going to actually get the value out of him. Um, one thing I will say of note is that Todd Gurley has a league high of 1,229 touches since entering the league in 2015. And he has had 87 and 81 targets in the passing game over the past two seasons. So I think if they just dial him back even slightly, he's still going to put together a lot of good production and still retain um, a relative, you know, bill of clean health. It's it, I'm not selling completely on Todd really just yet. I just also don't think Daryl Henderson was drafted to be the heir apparent. Yeah, I really like both of those. I'm I'm in on Gurley. I often just decide whether to, to believe the injury or not when we don't have any information. So I, I think that he's going to play, and even at scaled-back pace, he's going to be fantastic. But I think you really nailed it, that if you are out on Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown is the absolutely free lottery ticket backup to Todd Gurley. He's costing nothing right now. Uh, I think that uh, the, the nice thing about Darrell Henderson is that he has standalone value as a, uh, a matchup-based flex, whereas Malcolm Brown doesn't. You're just kind of taking zeros on your bench if you draft Malcolm Brown. Uh, so I, Henderson is someone who I'd be happy to have on my team, although I'm not targeting him just because his upside is... We'll go this season. Nick, I'm sorry that this keeps <laughs> going off when you're this... making your point. No, nah, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to keep it uh as concise as possible yeah, i know this is good this is good we're being a quick concise podcast we're almost halfway through already you guys um all right well why don't you nicholas why don't you take the time to talk about the arizona cardinals so what's funny is in the uh in the in the slide channel i i took my name off the seahawks and because i didn't want clark to just smash the good name of the cardinals but they've been pretty rough to watch in the preseason so i'm not so sure i really like this pick anymore <laughs> 
<laughs> Nick is regretting all of his life choices right now. So I've been really, really high on Christian Kirk. And the reason is uh, a long, long time ago, Evan Silva checked out uh, Kingsbury's offense and, and what the, the conclusions that he drew from it are the, the starting slot receiver is the main, the main weapon in the, or the, the primary weapon in the receiving game and that they're often undersized guys like Christian Kirk, who's a natural, he naturally played slot receiver in college and he tipped the scales at 200 pounds. He's like five foot 10. He's the perfect uh, Cliff Kingsbury slot receiver. So seems like this is going to be great. However, he's only been playing like half of the first team reps in the slot. Uh, so it's kind of unclear if he's actually going to lock down that, like, um, you know, effectively the, the, the number one pass catching role. Uh, he, he is my buy. I'm, I would still be happy to take him if I'm going riding back heavy early, but I, I am, I'm going to continue to explore op- other options if that's the case. Uh, for these reasons, my sell would be uh, Larry Fitzgerald because I hate him one, but two, he's just more of an outside receiver in the Kingsbury offense. He likes the big guys on the outside. Um, and I just think that there are a few other guys in his, his uh, ADP area that I prefer. I like Christian Kerr. He's fun. I feel like I jump in on every one, but okay. Um, I, I'm not going to overreact to the Cardinals having a good game in, in the first preseason, and I'm not going to overreact to them having a bad game in the second uh, preseason game. I, but I do think that we have already overreacted too much, putting Kyler Murray so high, and I think that that has infected our rankings mm. with everyone else. I think that David Johnson is going to take a step forward just because the offense, I don't think it can technically be as bad as it was last year, but – I am worried about all of the receivers. Uh, and while I love Larry Fitzgerald, I do think Nick makes a good point of he may not be a great fit. It may be, uh, it may finally be the year. This is all going to be so new. I mean, it's going to be tough to bet on anyone other than the guy you love, who, who for me is Christian Kirk uh, in this Cardinals offense. Yeah. I feel like outside of uh, David Johnson and Kyle Murley, Kyler Murray, I'm not touching anyone else in this offense. I'm happy to keep eyes on them. And if any of them develop, maybe, you know, maybe in my, in some of the leagues, a lot of them or, or all of them fall through and make it onto the waiver wire, then yeah, I'm going to watch and see if anyone like blossoms, but I have a hard time in like convincing myself to invest draft picks into anyone in the Cardinals offense, just given from what we've seen. And just, there's no one there who like entices me so much so that I need to have them on my team. Go. I don't even need to uh, ring the alarm. We're moving on. Uh, Clark, final team in the, uh, what are we? NFC West, the Seattle Seahawks. Nick's not his old Seattle Seahawks. He's moved on by, you know, his 49ers are here to stay. His Seahawks were another day yesterday. Uh, Clark, what do you got? Who are you buying? Who are you selling? Uh, So this is something people have been hearing all summer. You should buy Tyler Lockett, goddammit. Uh, his value might get ruined before the season starts. It looks like there's a lot of hype being generated around Tyler Lockett. And I don't think it's just because like, I know he's a favorite of the podcast. It's not just because we're so clever. It's just because it's so obviously a good pick. Like we have this amazing wide receiver going into his fourth year. He's going to be the top guy there. He's grown each year uh, in becoming more dynamic. He's playing with one of the best quarterbacks in football. And even if Seattle only throws the ball 425 times again, that's still a ton of passes for one or two wide receivers. So all this, they're going to run nonsense is nonsense. Uh, now the sell is tough. Uh, so I just pick someone and it's Rashad Penny, I guess. And it's really more of an endorsement of Chris Carson. I think they are going to run enough for both of these guys to have value, but Pete said a buy and sell for each team. So I said it and I can't say I DK. Because I, he's, 
Yeah. Well, he's injured. He's getting knee surgery, isn't he? He's fine. He's fine. Sorry. I apologize. He's fine. Everyone draft DK, DK Metcalf number one overall. Um, so, go ahead, uh, Nicholas. Yeah, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of selling Penny, too, just because he's looked so bad. Uh, I, I initially would have had him a lot higher uh, as like a, a weekly flex play, but now even even that's making me a little bit nervous, and Carson just is awesome. Uh, Tyler Lockett is going to be a phenomenal receiver. He's a total fucking steal. The number one pass so catcher option in Seattle is the slot receiver. He's taking over the slot. Last year, he balled the fuck out when Doug Baldwin was on the sideline. So go get Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I think that's the the biggest takeaway from this section of the Seattle Seahawks is Tyler Lockett is perfectly valued. In fact, could possibly be undervalued right now. We're not hyping him up. We're We're saying bad, negative things about him. Don't let his ADP rise, but you should be drafting him everywhere impossible. Yeah, just want to... Uh, insert real quick don't overthink drafting Tyler Lockett he and Russell Wilson have a like telepathic connection and Wilson had the highest DVOA among quarterbacks when throwing to the slot last year perfect them's the facts to quote, Nick. To, quote to quote the great Nicholas who loves science <laughs> and facts dem the facts noted fact lover <laughs> <laughs> Oh, delightful. Guys, we're cruising. I love this. All right, we're going to take a quick I'm break cruising. for some. <laughs> Sorry. podcast go long because people make side jokes and then I just laugh for like a solid 30 seconds of just me laughing on air. Um, we're going to take a quick ad break, uh, but don't go anywhere, obviously, because there will be, we still have two more divisions to talk about. And after the break, we're going to find, Nick, find out Nick's thoughts on James Franco's new movie, Zeroville. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back. Nick, tell me all of your deepest impressions of James Franco's new movie, Zeroville. Right. So initially I was a little bit weary, but it's about a mathematician who discovers the number zero. And I like facts. So So, I'm going to watch his movie and find out if that's what it's about. Perfect. I love it. It's not, but good for you, Nick. I actually have no fucking idea what it's about. I don't either. Trailer gives you nothing from it. You just, I I love trailer. I didn't know it was a movie. Yeah. I love a good movie that's just like super niche. Just like, here's a movie for people that love math. This is for you. We're making this for you. <laughs> I lied. All of that was a lie. No, no, no. But that's actually James Franco. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. It's a James Franco movie. <laughs> you, you could totally buy it. You're like, ah, oh, James Franco making real. a story about the guy creating the number zero. Yeah, I'm in. I should have known it wasn't going to be a real movie because I was like, that sounds interesting. 
I know that I would see me a real one last week. I know I'm I'm spicy. Well, Zeroville is a real movie that's coming out. Nick just completely made up what it's about. Okay, never mind. Anyway, (laughs) movies about math. Good Will Hunting. Let's go. There you go. That's the Will Power Rank movies about math next week. Nick, are you frozen? Are you (laughs) staying in a power stance? Yeah, he's definitely frozen. Nope, that answers that one. Could have been a movie about somebody who like figured out absolute zero or something wonky like that. Zero was a really big discovery in math. It was like I'm not kidding. It was a big I deal. I don't doubt that. I bet you it would be a big deal. All right. Well, we're gonna let Nick uh, figure out his own technology. Uh, NFC North. We're moving on. We this podcast stops for no one. Uh, Clark, the Minnesota Vikings. What do you got? So the the buy here, I think, is really obvious. Uh, do you know why we know who Owen Daniels is? It's because he used to play in the Gary Kubiak offense and got a ton of yards because he just played tight end. Uh, George Kittle set a bunch of records last year for tight ends playing with backup quarterbacks because he plays in the Shanahan offense. Also, he's a, a, incredibly talented. Uh, so the buy for the Vikings is Kyle Rudolph. He's going as like the 13th tight end in round 15. So he is free. I mean, that's a starter. Uh, I don't think that he's going to break into the top four of tight ends, but my strategy on tight ends this year is you either drop, you either draft the top four, which is Kelsey Kittle or Ertz in whatever order, or Hunter Henry. That's like my fallback. And if I don't hit on any of those guys, I'm waiting for Kyle Rudolph because you can, and he's going to put up good numbers. Not spectacular, but good. You're going to be better than 50% of your league at tight end most of the year. Uh, the sell is I don't really have one for the Vikings because I think everybody is appropriately priced. I like where Th- I like where Thielen's going. I like where Diggs is going. I think Kirk Cousins is a great late round quarterback I option. I I'm worried about Dalvin Cook's injury, but he that's kind of priced in to where he's being drafted, and he has league winner potential. And then even kind of sneaky bonus buy is Alexander Madison. If you do take Cook, uh, even though I'm not a huge handcuff fan. I think Madison is a, a perfect example of why handcuffing isn't completely dead. If I take Cook in the second and get Madison in the 14th, like I'm very happy with just taking the Vikings backfield. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's the best description for the Vikings offense is that I think everyone there is pretty appropriately per- priced. Adam Thielen is always someone who I look at his price and I'm like, God, that seems really expensive. And then you realize, like, you remember what Alan Adam Thielen does and you're like, actually, no, that's pretty reasonable. So, so yeah, I think everyone is right where they should be. And Kirk Cousins is someone he is say whatever you want about him as an actual football player. He is a fantasy God. Like he puts up fantasy numbers. And so you can get him way late. I'm doing that. Thielen is uh, round two pick 12 right now in PPR. And I feel like that's kind of low. I would grab him like in the top of the second, mid second. Yeah. But yeah. So after the coaching change occurred um, last year when uh, Filippo was, was fired, uh, Thielen was no longer running the majority of his routes in the slot. He, had, he was forced to split time with Stephon Diggs. And that is when he went from averaging over 100 yards a game to like 48 yards per game. Diggs is now, I think, more or less the primary slot receiver. It might be like 55, 45. But anyway, Thielen's work was being done in the slot. He isn't allowed to play there as much as he was now under this new regime. Um, I am way out on Thielen and much more in on Diggs. However, given that they want to pound the rock for three yards a pile of dust with an identity, um, I, I don't love really either one of these receivers. Don't draft Kyle Rudolph. He's terrible. 
The Bears will go eight and eight this season. Uh, I, I I love Nick at the end of all these segments, just shitting on everything nice that we've said. <laughs> Someone <laughs> needs to be mean. Someone needs to be mean. It's fine. Mark, prop bet that Rudolph does not go over 500 yards and five and a half touchdowns. Sure. Five and a half touchdowns is like your tight end five, by the way. But okay, I'll take that. <laughs> okay, let's mirror the other bet then. You won't start him in more than three I'm games. I'm stepping into that trap. Why would I do that? <laughs> I just games. spent the opening of the podcast being ama- talking about how amazing that bet was for him. And now, and now Nick's trying to... Nick has I'll do the yardage. That's fine. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's talk about the, the, the Detroit Lions. And for those of those at home listening who I know are really anxious about what my NFC North rankings are. I have the Detroit Lions winning three games this year. So sorry guys. And also some Detroit Lions in my mentions talking about that too. I just think they'll lose some close ones. They're going to be a very, it's going to be like the chargers were that one season where they lost like 13 uh, close games. That's what the Lions are going to be. Uh, Matt Patricia, show me something. Anyways, uh, bye for the Detroit Lions. Marvin Jones, man. Marvin freaking Jones. Wide receiver 35, going in the eighth round. Last Two years ago, posted, what is it, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns, and 61 catches. It was on pace for another nine-touchdown season last year before getting injured. He's got a strong connection with Stafford. He's a great late-round guy who you'll get what you need from him. He, I think he's got a high floor and a possibly pretty high ceiling, but I don't. I think he's someone who you can get in that eighth round and feel confident and be like, yep, I got myself a wide receiver three flex option and move on and not have to worry about him for the rest of the season. Um, I want to bring in a little bit of audience participation here. I know that we j- tend to talk about things, but I want you guys to convince me on carry on Johnson because I understand that he had a great rookie season and he averaged, everyone loves to point out that he averaged 5.4 yards per attempt, which I don't put a lot of faith in that stat because there's a lot of moving pieces in it. It worries me that the Lions, for whatever reason, gave uh, the bulk of their red zone carries to LeGarrette Blunt last year and then signed the human bowling ball, CJ Anderson, this offseason for presumably the exact same role, which for me puts a ceiling on Johnson. 14, the seems rich. I mean, is is anyone on this podcast a, a carry on Johnson truther and could convince me that yes, he is indeed the RB fourteen this year? Yeah, he's just he's really good. Like if you just go watch his games, he's very talented. What held him back last year was the Lions running an archaic offense, and like you said, bringing in Legarrette Blunt to stuff those goal line carries, and that's what what worries me about carry on Johnson is Matt Patricia trying everything he can do to hold back one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Matthew Stafford. I think carry on Johnson is an incredibly talented running back. I think that's, he is too, but, I, but, but carry on Johnson, but talent in football doesn't necessarily always translate to, to talent in the fantasy world. So like, I'm happy to, I'm happy to draft him because he's like, I'm happy to say that he's a good running back in the league, but is he really the 14th best in fantasy? Is he going to give me that? I don't know. I don't know. Convincing. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got warts in that area. Damian Williams, we're excited about four games that he had last year. Leonard Fournette, we've watched him play for several years. We know who he is. He's still going in front of Car- on Johnson. Melvin Gordon might, might not play till week 10. Aaron Jones, we've just decided that all of a sudden this new coaching staff is just going to hand him the starting job. Uh, you know, so so that's the guys that you're picking him around. So you're so you're betting on the talent. I'm not saying that you should, but that's the sales pitch for Carryon Johnson. So Carry on Johnson is going to get a lot of uh, he's going to get a lot of work. And and what's nice about theoretic leaving is he's going to get work through the air. But but generally he's going to be running into eight man boxes, and it it sucks. It's going to be tough to watch because such a dumbass coaching staff. Um, 
it, I, I get taking him, but it is painful. Um, is Marvin Jones is a terrible pick. Marvin Jones is a terrible pick. Get out of here. He's the, the second or third receiving option on a run first team. The second no. or third. So he's the second receiving option, and I can get him in the middle of the eighth round. I'm 100 percent doing that. And Marvin Jones has already shown himself to be an extremely productive fantasy receiver. I think he's I a think, big player. I just don't think it's a good uh, setup for him. But hey, we can't go over time. Jordan can't go over time. Can't go over time. I think Kenny Galladay really needed Marvin Jones last year. I so agree. I, I think Marvin Jones will be pretty important. I think so too, Nick. You're you're wrong. Uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about your Packers, Jordan. Um, so yeah, let's let's go back into the vein of late round tight ends that you may or uh, may not want to draft, but this one you don't want to draft. It's Jimmy Graham. Um, I know we were a little bit excited last year about you know him being with Rodgers and Jimmy Graham having ten touchdowns the previous year in Seattle. Uh, doesn't matter. I don't think the year of extra chemistry work is going to benefit uh, Jimmy Graham the slightest. Um, so I did a thing on Graham and I looked at um, where I looked at offenses in which the floor was involved over the past three years. So when he was QB coach in um, Atlanta during the 2016 season, OC for McVay in 2017 and OC for Mike Vrabel um, for the Titans in 2018. Um, some through lines uh, with all those offenses. No single tight end surpassed 300 yards and 45 targets. Uh, only the Falcons featured a tight end who was close to 32 years old, which is how old Jimmy Graham is this year. Um, that's Jacob Tammy at 31. Um, and he went for only 22 catches, 210 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, side note, Delaney Walker was 34 last year, and he was supposed to be heavily, heavily featured in the Titans offense, but we don't have the benefit of that because Delaney Walker got hurt almost immediately um, because he was 34 years old. Uh, and each offense had a running back who had 65 or more passing targets, including Todd Gurley's whopping 87 targets in 2017. Um, so that just leads me to believe that the running backs are also more important in the passing offense than the tight ends. They're really, that's why you draft Aaron Jones, Clark. <laughs> I think you just stay away from, from Jimmy Graham. The Packers have been cycling in a lot of tight end options. And I, primarily when you're looking at all these offenses, it, you're looking at stats for like three different tight ends who all have like 200 or so yards. So th- it's all kind of just, it's like a really weird tight end by committee. Uh, tight ends after the age of 26, they drop off pretty significantly for production. And then once they get from 31 to 32, it is an absolute pit of fantasy production. Uh, Aaron Jones is a, is a tremendously talented player, but his, his repeated MTL injuries really scare me. Uh, LaFleur, I just don't really know what to think of him. Um, he, he has had productive offenses, but the things that he's said also scare me. I, I don't know. It seems like it's a lot of mixed messages about what kind of system he wants to run, but that's just what I've read. Um, I do – I do think that we should all be targeting uh, Geronimo Allison, though. He's, he's going to be taking over the slot, and uh, that and Rodgers loves throwing there. Obviously, Demonte Adams is like wide receiver one, two, or three, depending on who you listen to. But, uh, yeah, go get yourself some Geronimo. And personally, I'm just going to hope that Aaron Jones is gone. You uh, meant you meant Marquez Valdez-Scantley, right, Nick? You just mispronounced on the outside. You, mister, you mispronounced his name, right? Marcus Valdez nope. Scantley's. I love MVS, but he's no longer running primarily out of the slot, and that sucks. I wish it was him, but because it's Geronimo Miles that I'm going him. I'm not taking your staff. 
He'll run, LaFleur will run a lot of similar concepts to Kyle Shanahan and McVay. Um, a lot of them run some of the same route patterns for Cooper Cup and George Kittle in the, the slot. Will go this will be Geronimo, not Jimmy. Uh, all right. Speaking of the Bears, we're finally getting there. Also, I have the Vikings winning the NFC North uh, with a uh, what was it, thirteen and three record, and then I think the Packers were twelve and four. So just just an update on what the NFC North is according to my predictions. The eight and eight Bears. Uh, Nick, who who are you talking about? Who are you buying? Who are you selling? Borrowing from the phenomenal work of Scott Barrett and his recent uh, ninety six facts article. Uh, this is directly from him. Since we began tracking college players in 2014, only twice has a running back eclipsed 100 missed tackles forced in a single season. Both times it was by David Montgomery in 2017 and 2018. <laughs> That's insane. That's a statistic that carries over from the college to pros. And I know that he's not an outrageously good athlete, but he did manage to hit all of like the necessary running back uh, thresholds. The dude can, the dude can play. Uh, I am extremely high on David Montgomery and think that he is a, a rock-solid RB2, if, if not better. Uh, yeah, go get yourself some David Montgomery. Um, sell, I honestly don't see one. I think everyone's pretty appropriately priced. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Allen Robinson, he's going off the board as a wide receiver 31, but I, I really like, I think that the the Bears offense is, is sort of uh, – Outside of David Montgomery, it is well assessed by the drafting public. I had David Montgomery in my notes for your buy when I was making my notes. I just I knew I knew that was who you're going to talk about. And it's because you're right; it's who you should be targeting from the Bears. Yeah, I, I have zero interest in any Bears pass catchers because I've seen them play. But I love the David Montgomery pick. I'm on board, Allen Robinson, man. I'll ride that train because I'm just I'm just hoping that what we saw against the Eagles. Excuse me, as I have my dinner in my mouth. But I got too excited. I couldn't pass up this opportunity to talk about Allen Robinson. What we saw against the Eagles in the playoffs, I'm just hoping that that was like a stepping stone to seeing Allen Robinson, A, become fully recover from his ACL and B, the wide receiver we saw for that one year in Jacksonville, which I understand was one year. That was a while ago. Um, but B, hopefully show that he can carry the load as a number one receiver and have uh, Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky trust him on that. And I think he's going appropriately. I think I would take him even maybe a little bit higher than where he's going, but he is someone who I have a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of excitement for this season. Yeah. David Montgomery is probably a solid RB two, and he better be good at being able to force missed tackles because that offensive line could be an Achilles heel for the bears this year. Well said, Nicholas, you, you 30 seconds were left on your clock. You got it through and, and everyone had to have their points moving along. NFC East, uh, our final conference division thing. My goodness. Uh, Jordan, uh, yeah, we'll start with you, Jordan. Washington Breadsticks, talk to me. This one was tough. This was only going to be um, something that I – or the team that I picked because I, I have one guy in mind, and it's a buy, and it's Trey Quinn. I am all aboard the Trey Quinn hype train. There's not much to be excited about for this uh, – Washington breadsticks offense, but I really do like um, the former Mr. Irrelevant out of SMU. Um, he is basically slotted in for the um, for the slot wide receiver position. Jay Gruden was saying this like literally back in June. Um, he's going to be taking over for Jameson Crowder. Um, he's been getting a lot of love from teammates and rave reviews. Uh, he was injured for a couple times last season. Uh, 
But hopefully, if he stays a little bit durable, he can get some playing time and he can really surprise some people. He's basically going undrafted. Um, so, you know, if you're doing some waiver wire tinkering before the season or you need you're just a dedicated Washington fan. You can uh, pick up Trey Quinn. And um, he did break out in a game last year. And I don't know if you guys remember. Good old Cowboys game. Nine catches, 75 yards, one touchdown, and one really great Michael Skarn celebration. Oh, that's who we're talking about. Now, mm-hmm. I, know exa- now I know exactly who you're referencing. It's basically yeah. him and nobody else catching balls. So. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's going to just eat up a bunch of targets in the slot. I don't think that they're going to be very high value targets. So uh, definitely favor him in, in PBR or half PBR over standard. But uh, yeah, if there's someone to own there, I, I totally agree, Jordan. It's, it's Drake one. I know I'm going to talk myself into drafting Josh Doxson this year, assuming that this is going to be the year that he takes his next step. And then ultimately getting wildly disappointed as he does absolutely nothing. So there you go. I'm forgetting his name. What's the tight end's name? Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed, Jordan actually. Reed. Yeah, I hear he's healthy again. <laughs> How long is that going to last? Five All right, a minute left. Washington breadsticks. You're done. Get busted. Uh, New York Giants, Clark. Are you buying anyone? Is this another Washington breadsticks situation? So while I think maybe we've gone a little bit too far with the doom and gloom in New York. Uh, I'm just thinking when Jordan's running through the breadsticks breakdown, how how really crummy at least half of this division is <laughs> <It's> so bad. <laughs> so this was hard. I mean, Saquon Barkley is amazing. Uh, and I, and I think that he's more talented than David Johnson. Of course, that's not taking anything away from David Johnson, but we saw what being on a truly horrible team can do to a running back. So I'm not, I mean, I'll still take Saquon Barkley fourth, but now he's fourth because I just really don't think that the, the giants are going to be that good. So I guess that's a sell. <laughs> for the Giants uh, to be so talented and to be such a breadwinner workhorse back and to not be the number one overall pick is a huge condemnation of what we think or what I think about the Giants. Sterling Shepard's an okay value. He's going in the ninth. I think that he's a good player. And even though I'm not really high on either Eli or Daniel Jones, if they're just competent, I think that they can carry him to a flex wide receiver three season. But I, I feel like the Giants are just they're just not gonna be very good. I'm not excited. I, Evan Ingram, maybe. I just I don't know. Don't don't care for him. If if Shermer gets his, his way and it seems as though he is ready to put Daniel Jones in, if he gets his way, then I think that uh Sterling Shepard becomes someone who you could uh regularly consider as a flex option. Um I think that either way, Evan Ingram it eats just through pure disgusting volume, but uh, like his looks aren't going to be good. They're not going to be on target. It's going to be really, really ugly. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Evan Ingram has value because the tight end market is so thin. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at that, that kind of three, maybe foursome right behind the top three guys, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, and maybe you can include Eric Ebron in that group. I, I like Evan Ingram above all those guys. Um, and I think it's partially because of that disgusting volume that Nick so lovingly described it as. <laughs> I just want to say you can't include Eric Ebron in that group. Oh, okay. Sorry. I apologize. I apologize. Well. <laughs> I like Evan Ingram. Save it for tight end week, Jordan. Oh, I drafted him two years ago and he helped me out. I like him. Man. <laughs> special, special relationships. They always matter and they always last. Um, sentimental. Sentimental. Exactly. 
The Bears will go eight and eight this season. All right, all right, out of time. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, that's who I'm talking about. And you thought I was going to use this as just a uh, platform to spread my Amari Cooper propaganda, but no, I'm going to spread some love for the $40 million man. There are three QBs in the top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks for the last three seasons. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Dak motherfucking Prescott. Need I say more? He throws, he rushes, he is the best running back in the league, a top 15 receiver and a stud O-line. He's currently quarterback 20. What you doing not drafting him everywhere? And he's on the contract here. Love that little narrative. My cell is, I guess, Michael Gallup. He's a deep threat, seemingly, and we've seen that that's not really Dak's game. See, Des, Bryant. I think it's really, for Dallas, the three guys who I'm drafting with confidence is Zeke, Dak, Amari. Everyone else, I'm like, eh, if you show up on the waiver wire, maybe I'll make a move for you. I really, really like your your Dak pick. Um, Warren Sharp has yes. them with the, I think, overall easiest or second easiest pass defense schedule through like weeks one through 12 or something like that. Um, it's going to be a cakewalk for him. And the, I don't think he's finished worse than quarterback 11 in yeah. his entire time in the NFL. Like he puts up every year and we just don't draft him. And now he is the easiest schedule pass, passing wise that he's like ever had. It's yeah. Just Why you take him everywhere. Draft Dak Prescott. He's going to have a killer year. I like Dak Prescott because if he's QB 20, that means he's probably the second quarterback that you might've drafted as like, the guy to sit on your bench would be a spot start, but with a full off season of working with Amari Cooper now, and I really like Michael Gallup, who is going to be in a second year this year, who could turn into a stud. I feel like he could end up being the guy that takes over your QB one position down the road. And there's nothing more that's, there's not a better feeling in fantasy football than finding somebody who takes over a starting role that you drafted in like the 20th plus round. It's yeah. so great. All right. Starting along. All right. Last team, our final team, you guys. We did we did this in record time. Good for us. Uh Philadelphia Eagles, Nicholas, wrap us up. Let's do this. All right. The buy is very, very easy. It's Miles Sanders. His ADP is number 68. He's going off the board as uh the RB30. This coaching staff has never had a, a running back who can actually uh, participate in all facets of the game. That is Miles Sanders. He's an excellent athlete. He's an excellent football player. He can pass protect. He can pass catch. He can run. Uh, this guy, uh, Jay Ajayi was, was getting touches in like the mid teens. He is much more talented than Jay Ajayi. This is going to be perhaps a split backfield in the very, very beginning of the, the year. And it's possible Jordan Howard vultures a couple goal line scores, but Miles Sanders is going to be a real deal RB2 with RB1 upside this year. I think that anyone who's garnering uh, 17 or 18 touches in this offense, where a very smart, well-coached offense is worth drafting uh, the sixth round. That's absurd. He should be at least going in the fourth, the third of the fourth. Um, Sell, I'm selling Zach Ertz. His ADP is is number 32. He's a tight end three. His targets, his career target numbers are 56, 89, 112, 106, 110, 156. So we we see what his actual average probably should be, the 112, to, or basically a little over 100 targets a year. Last year he went 156, and that's how he's being drafted again this year. However, this is the deepest uh, receiving core of the Carson Wentz era. Alshon Jeffrey, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, Dustin Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson, Matt Collins, Dallas Godert, 
uh, Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles, these guys are all going to be regularly competing for targets. And that's going to be really tough for, uh, for Ertz to maintain the kind of production that he had last year without the same volume. So I am, I am fading him. I, I'm buying anybody who is going to get the bulk of the carries in Philadelphia because I think their offensive line is the best one in football. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Their first round left tackle pick isn't even going to play because they're so deep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is killing so deep. Right now. I love the Miles Sanders pick. That offense is incredibly explosive. He's a relatively cheap piece for what you're getting. I think he is going to get competition in the backfield, but I think there's going to be so many points to go around that that competition isn't going to matter for what you're going to need to pay for. Yeah. And I like the Zach Ertz call too. I think that he's still going to be, I think I would, I would describe him the way that Clark described Saquon in the sense that I think Zach Ertz is still probably going to be a top 10 tight end, but you're giving up a lot of draft capital to get him because of the fact that he is seen in that, you know, that threesome of uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and then you have Zach Ertz. And so I think that you can get tight ends later who can bump up into that top three who maybe outperform Zacherts or at least give you similar production without having to give up, you know, uh, whatever it is. That, what, what round is he going in now, you were saying, Nick? Uh, Zacherts is going uh, – he's going uh, the 37th – or 32nd pick overall, so beginning of the third. Yeah, that's a bit – that's a bit rich for Halfway me. through. Yeah, yeah. me too. I think of those three tight ends, Zacherts is the most likely to – fall out of the top three agreed by the end of the fantasy season yep doesn't mean you will but but a little tight end talk cool beans look at us look at us making through the entire nfc in uh less than an hour and a half so round of applause for everyone so Uh, top heavy the eagles are so good and they play with the giants and the breadsticks i know it is abysmal it is abysmal how bad uh that division is yeah. yeah, people like to say that the AFC East is the worst division in football, please. It is. <laughs> they say that because it's true. Let's save that for our second AFC East podcast, or yeah. whenever that happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll debate about that long and hard. All right, make sure to subscribe, Fake Teams Podcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you later this week. Until then, peace.